Hey friends, welcome to Aromatic Chat, the podcast that introduces you to registered, clinical, and certified aromatherapists around the world. Every other week, I sit down with an amazing human who happens to practice aromatherapy to learn about their aromatic journey and how they use essential oils in their lives and their businesses. Aromatic Chat is produced by Lemon Balm Coaching, personalized, one-on-one, transformational coaching. If you or someone you know feels like you're being buried alive by the stress and overwhelm in your life, you'll want to reach out to Lemon Balm Coaching for your free discovery session. Transformational Coaching for the Business of Life. I'm your host, Melissa, your holistic transformational coach and registered aromatherapist. I want to thank Catherine Wild of the Soul Care Mom podcast for this excellent review. She titled it Soulful and Informative. She says she loves the beautiful energy that I bring to each episode and that the podcast is full of amazing information. I am learning so much. Wow. Thank you, Catherine. Would you be open to taking just one minute to leave a review on Apple Podcast? Not only does your review make it possible for other listeners to find Aromatic Chat, but I read every review. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. Today is a behind-the-scenes look at what makes what I do with aromatherapy even possible. If it weren't for people like my guest, there wouldn't even be essential oils for us to use. Welcome to episode number 51, Aromatic Chat with Mark Dundor of Southeast Devils Club. I'm not even sure how to introduce Mark because what he's doing is honestly just too amazing to summarize. So let's get started. Good afternoon. Uh, well, good, good morning. Well, yeah, good afternoon. Yeah. I got kind of confused. I'm like, wait a minute. Tomorrow is the third. It's already t- it's already yeah. tomorrow for me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> it is. I still struggle so greatly with the time zones. We have the same in Alaska. We're like four hours behind Eastern. So when I right. talk to somebody that's in France or somewhere, like, I don't do that. I do a lot of math, but I mean, it's yeah. I can't math where time is concerned for some reason. Exactly. I cannot do it. I don't know what the disconnect is, but my brain cannot. My brain just can't do it. I found out a cool thing today. I sold some Devil's Club to a store, a local retail store, and they still had a bottle after 19 months. So I said, well, let's check the shelf life. So I sent that in for testing. I got the results back today. It's the same concentration of Neurolidol as it was originally. So it's at least a year and a half shelf life. Wow. They have another one, and I'm going to check that at two years. So in another five months, I'll go back there and get that one. I'll just trade them out, new one for old, and they, they're fine with that. So I love that you're doing that and that you're checking. That's so important. So, so, so important. Well, it changed the, the color. It was a little bit reddish. So and I was like, well, let's see what has happened to it. The top five components were the same. They were just in a different order. So. Oh, Wow. There's 44 million acres in Southeast Alaska. About 10% of the acreage has Devil's Club on it. Yeah. Is it considered a weed? It's considered a nuisance plant in Juneau. I have people that will ask me to come to their yards and just clear all of it. Just, I don't want to, 15 acres, just clear all of it down to the ground. Pull the roots out if you can. I may have cleared three acres in the last two years. Wow. (laughs) 
but that's free plant matter for you, right? Right, exactly. (laughs) Okay, I'll come clear your devil's book. (laughs) That's fine, yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's awesome. Well, Mark, I just want to thank you for agreeing to come on for a full-length episode of Aromatic Chat to share what you're doing up in Alaska with this nuisance plant. For the clinkets, it's a very culturally important plant. But for the, you know, the city and the state, when they have to clear trails and they have to clear roads and that's, it's a nuisance. So there's really two at the same time. You have to kind of be really sensitive about, um, about it. Now the native land, they have, I could, if I get permission from the secretary of the tribe, I can go there because I'm being adopted into one of the tribes. Thousands of acres I have available already. So, what I would love for you to do this is an opportunity for you to share basically your story because I think I feel like stories are what matter. People connect through the story of what's right. happening, not, not not just I'm selling this essential oil, but like why. So we right. would love to hear <clears throat> like what what in the world led you to distilling Devil's Club. About four years ago, I had, um, it seemed like bronchitis. It was some chest and lung congestion. And I was told by a bunch, uh, quite a few of the native folks that yeah, the Devil's Club has a lot of medicine in it. You should try some of that. Well, I didn't know how to use it. I didn't know anything. So I just went and cut down a piece of it, stuck it on my dashboard and drove back and forth to work. You know, the fumes were in the car. And, and after about four days, it cleared up and I didn't have any trouble. I said, well, that's amazing. So my wife wanted to uh, try some tea. So I, I scraped some of it down and made some tea out of it and it helped her blood sugar lower the blood sugar. I said, well, that's two things it can do. What else can it do? And how do we know what what about it is good? What makes it good? And so I, I looked online to find out what was in it. What was the chemistry? And so I finally found a guy in British Columbia who um, has botanicals, and he uh, has been making Devil's Club essential oil from the roots for 20 years, and he sells it. <clears throat> so I contacted him, and I said, how do we use it? What is it used for? And he says, well, I make it, and I sell it. I can't tell you how to use it. I don't know, I'm not, you know any of the medicine. I just, if you want to buy some, buy it. I said, well, who knows how to use it? He said, well, you contact an aromatherapist and they'll tell you. So then I went to AIA and I asked them, all the aromatherapists I could get in contact with, tell me about how to use Devil's Club essential oil because there's some here. Here's the GCMS. Here's what it is. And they said, we don't know. I said, okay, well, there's Devil's Club here. If I can make it the same way that Herbert makes it, then I can send it in for testing and see if these plants are the same as his plants. And so I built a chemistry lab and I had to figure out all the glassware and all the steam process and the distillation. And I use only glass. I don't use any copper or anything. Cause I don't want anything to interact with the oil because you don't know all the components in it, what it's going to do. So I stick with glass. It took me about a year to figure that out. I ended up making the essential oil enough of it to get tested and sent it in to Dr. Pappas, and he tested it for me a couple of times. It's pretty difficult to try to uh, process the plant. You have to go out in the woods, in the marsh, in the hills. and the, It's just, if you've seen the plant, you'll see all the spines. You really have to have a lot of protectant 
gear on to even go and get it. But it takes about a kilogram to make around six milliliters of uh, the oil. The native people have been using it for hundreds of years, like maybe a thousand years. And so they have all of the all of the history behind what it can do, um, anti-inflammatory and, and viral and all of the, the thing properties. So I said, well, let's see what in the oil will do these things. So then I did the research of, of Neuralidol, which is the primary, and then each of the top 20. I accumulated that information and summarized it. And then now I know what categories uh, they're mostly good for. And that's just kind of what I did. Wow. So are you a chemist by trade? No. I took a couple semesters of college chemistry. I, in the research, I did hundreds of hours of research. And then I wrote a paper for AIA in the summer last year. It was published for that. 12 of those 25 pages were published. But uh, Dr. Bowles helped me a lot uh, with the editing. And she was contributing editor for that. One of the things that's really important for me is sustainable harvesting. Even though there's tens of thousands of acres here, it's still important to not kill the plants. Um, I do regular field study checkups on particular plants and and particular methods of harvesting. And then I have pictures and there's an article going to be published in the spring for AIA for sustainable harvesting. We'll be back after a quick break. Hey friends, if you're an aromatherapist, here's something really important that you may not have been taught in aromatherapy school. Connecting with other professional aromatherapists is really important to the health of your practice. Why? Because our brains are designed for connection. Connection, team, clan, tribe, core group, no matter what you call it, it's about survival. When you are isolated, it's easy to become discouraged and feel like nothing you're doing really matters. But when you're connected and part of a larger group focused on the same goal, you're energized, and maybe you even feel invincible. Well, coming up September 26th through 28th, you have a chance to be a part of a community of aromatherapists at the Aromatics in Action International Conference, Embracing and Composing Sustainable Aromatics in Nashville, Tennessee, USA, brought to you by the Alliance of International Aromatherapists. The AIA is bringing together industry leaders and educators, as well as exhibitors, at their first post-pandemic in-person conference. There will also be on-demand sessions to add more learning opportunities and continuing education. I invite you to visit alliance-aromatherapist.org and sign up today. That's alliance-aromatherapist.org or visit the link in the show notes and sign up today to join the AIA and be a part of the tribe. So I'm so curious because <clears throat> you weren't a chemist. You took a couple chemistry classes. What do you do? Oh, I'm an IT guy. I do. I've been doing network engineering and 20 years of IT stuff. Network engineer, but you had a chest cold. You used this devil's club and it turned you on to what can this plant do? I'm, I'm curious to know what the what was the catalyst to really stick with it? Because you said it took a year to figure out how to distill it. Right. What in the world was the catalyst or the well, reason that you were able to stick to it? Because I just, someone who's just, you know, oh, I'm a little bit interested, probably wouldn't have stuck to it, but yet here you are. The more 
I made of it. And the more I had some of my friends try it, um, like we had, I had a lady that she was an elderly lady and the cuts would take two weeks to heal on her hand. And when she tried a little bit of 1% in olive oil and the next cut healed up in three days. So when you're talking about quality of life for people, I mean, you're really improving the quality of life, whether it's a burn or a bruise or a stabbing pain or whatever, and they can't sleep. When you improve the quality of life that drives you, this can help more people. Let's see how it can help and to what degree. And, you know, does it need to be 1%? Does it need to be 3%? All of the research has been done. We're waiting for clinical trials. We need clinical trials. Like probably 20 or 30 of those studies said, this concludes this. We need clinical trials. And so, well, what is it going to take to have clinical trials? At some point, peppermint, lavender, every essential oil was unknown. But it became a acceptable essential oil and commonly used now. Um, but it had to go through steps to do that. So I went to the educators and I asked them, what is it the criteria that you need to have the oil generally accepted? You know, so they, they told me what they were looking for. And so then I wrote that into the paper that I did. That's what, that was my goal is let's see if it can be made acceptable, if there's any impurities, toxicology. I've done all the toxicology studies and it's been days laboring over. My wife's like, it's good. Just, it's good. Just stop researching that. <laughs> so um, well, you wanted to be thorough. I get that. I get that. It so has to you, be safe. It has to be safe. hundred percent. Yeah. Do you see the possibility of the native community accepting the essential oil, not necessarily in place of the plant, but mm-hmm. in addition to actually using the plant? My, uh, I work at a native corporation. So I work with a lot of people and many of my customers are, are, natives in that work that work with me i mean they're they're some of my best customers okay how much do you typically produce in a year well i guess this is a multi-part question uh is devil's club grown year-round is it a perennial is it an annual um how much do you personally produce per year and then do you see it expanding out to like mass production once you've got all the testing in place so multi-part question so tell us about the plant plant. it grows in marshy areas that has slow moving water and some drainage there is uh it's mostly in the wooded areas i mean there's it's it's in old growth forests a lot of it and by streams so it's almost impossible to get any kind of commercial equipment You've got to take your tote and your loppers, haul it out there, cut it, and then bring the tote back. There's, there's really no no commercial harvesting method of doing it. As far as how much I make, oh, oh, so it grows during the spring and summer, and then it puts it out its berries, and then it goes uh, to seed in the in the autumn. Uh, so it's a rhizome, so it'll it'll spread out from a, a central root. So one of the things I've done as far as the field studies is that there's there's a lot of native use of the plant. They they make it into diffused oil and they make it into tea and they make it into tincture and they and there's some ideas that they have about 
uh, how to get the best potency. So one of the things I set out to do with uh, my field study was to verify when they said it needs to be by a stream, I would cut and dive by the streams and send it in for testing. And that's the reason I started with the essential oil because you can quantitatively test the essential oil. I mean, you can send that in regularly, make it the same way, and, and you can test and see how strong or relatively strong it is. So I would test, you know, against the stream, where the ocean, in the forests, um, rocky terrain. There's really no difference. However, in the growing season, you will get 10% more of the neurolidol than in the off season. So I came up with a way of stimulating it in my garage to go back to the growing season. So I can have that method. So I can harvest year round and get the full potency. Do you mind if we go back to the harvesting real quick? Sure. Mm-hmm. There are there are other essential oil bearing plants that actually do have to be wild crafted, which is what you're talking about. You're talking right. about a wild crafted oil. Yes. This isn't something that, you know, is grown on a farm. It's you have to go out, like you said, with your waders and your loppers and your bag and wild craft to right. get the best potency for this essential oil. Some of the other ones that I can think of, um, another big one that's wild crafted is helichrysum, uh, mm-hmm. which is immortelle. Helichrysum italicum. And that's harvested way up in the mountains. So you have these people from these little villages climbing these mountains to wild harvest this plant, mm-hmm. which is why it's so expensive. Because right. wild harvesting requires, just by its nature, a lot more work. And in the wintertime, you're you're having to go through three or four feet of snow and then try to find the bud that's a foot down, a foot from the ground. Mm-hmm. And climbing over logs, and it's uh, it's hazardous. Yeah. So, do you do all the wild harvesting yourself, or do you have a, yes. a team? Oh, it's just you. Well, I do have a helper. Uh, one of my sons is interested, so we go out and we cut a tote. Wild crafting takes um, more effort, which is why these particular essential oils are more expensive. How would you rate Devil's Club in the um, cost? I've done a lot of cost analysis. How much does it, you know, how much is the fuel? How far do I have to go? How long does it take? All of that. How long does it take to prep? I have pretty detailed logs of all of that. So it's about $25 a milliliter, but you only need a single drop for chronic pain. So, I mean, you know, it, it, it goes a long time. Most of my customers, they come back after about two or three months, four months to get another bottle. And do you sell it in one mill? No, bottles? I sell well. I sell it in two, four, and five. It it is a more ex, more expensive essential oil if we're talking twenty five right. per mill. So a five mill would be one hundred twenty five. So it is a little bit more expensive, but I don't think it's cost prohibitive. So yes, thank there you. are other ones. They're like two hundred dollars a mill. I mean, correct. <laughs> there, there are correct. some. Yeah. <laughs> Like a bottle of rose uh, is very cost prohibitive. So unless you are like totally in love with it, you're not going to buy it. That's amazing. Wild crafting, you only have one person helping you and yet you're producing enough that you can actually sell it. I think that's beautiful. So my next question is, are you still working full-time in IT or has Devil's Club become your job? No, I do IT full-time. So you're doing IT full-time. And so this is just your side hustle. 
right well <laughs> it's a, it's a pretty serious one but yeah it is I'll a serious like, one yeah but the the thing is i mean you have it takes you know, have an hour of prep which i can do on my lunch and then it's four hours of distilling of distilling and you, as long as you keep the water the right temperature and and check in on it you don't just sit there and watch the distiller for four hours i mean you so I, there, I mean, <laughs> exactly watching them like watching water boil, right? So yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So um, yeah, so there's a lot of that. I mean, it can do two batches a day without much trouble. Do you see this becoming not necessarily a replacement for IT, but when you're ready to retire from the job force, mm-hmm. do you see Devil's Club becoming more important in your life? Yes, absolutely. It's a it's a resource that's here. It does amazing things for all types of uh, conditions. It helps. It improves quality of life for people. It's sort of a pseudo uh, retirement plan. Well, but it's beautiful because you're getting the ground. You're you're laying the groundwork now. You're doing all right. the heavy lifting right now with the testing and the figuring things out. And while you still have another income, so that you're not you know, scraping by. I think that's that's a great plan. I love it. Can you tell us a little bit about the scent of Devil's Club? Because if we're talking about aromatherapy, we're talking about scent. How would you describe the scent? It's an earthy forest smell. And people, it's very interesting because a lot of the aromatherapists that I've sent samples to, they will have a different description. But it's really it's an earthy smell. Peppermint is a really great if you don't like the Devil's Club smell, use peppermint, and it will um, it will kind of hide that. And it also is a kind of symbiotic with the uh, pain. Okay, so it's just it's an earthy smell. From the name, to me, it's just the name makes it seem like it would be pungent. Yeah, it's it's pretty pungent. Okay, okay. Where does the name come from? Well, it's because of the spines you have thousands and thousands of tiny little spines on on it it's completely covered with spines the the stems the le- undersides of the leaves every part of it except the root and the berries have spines so that's that's just the custom name instead of saying oplopanix horridus this <laughs> just Here, this is kind of a, a spiritual question but why do you feel that the plant itself had to be protected? Because if it's got spines all over it, that's protection. It's a delicate plant, believe it or not. If you step on it or bruise it, that part of the, the plant dies. It, it will grow around the, the damaged parts. But if a log falls on it or it touches another devil's club plant, wherever that intersection is, that part dies. It, even when you're harvesting, you want to make sure that you don't step on another plant next door. because then you come back and then the whole branch is dead. That's interesting. Because I have a theory that like the plants that, this is my theory, I can't prove it, but I feel like the plants that give us the most emotional support and spiritual support are the hardest to get. To get. Mm-hmm. So would you feel that is appropriate? I think so. I think Devil's so. Club also? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Hmm. Interesting. There goes more knocks, you know, check marks for my theory then. <laughs> That's great. 
it's it's a rainforest plant and we hear about medicine from the amazon i've even heard from years it's oh this plant from the amazon but it's really scarce and well this is a rainforest plant and it has hundreds of i mean it has dozens of you know uses so it's it's kind of like in the same league i'm curious to know uh how the natives have used it throughout history they of course take the spines off but um I don't have to take the spines off, which makes it easier to process because I've, I just have a machine that I use to, to strip all of the bark off. And then I just put all of it with the spines in the, the distiller. I was and also then, curious about the actual distilling process. So, yeah. Right. Awesome. So the natives have used it for anti-inflammatories and emetic. They've used it for headaches. They use it to make poultices from it. They'll use, typically, if you hear someone say devil's club oil, like olive oil in a mason jar, they'll put strips in it and they'll simmer it overnight. Or they'll just put the strips in it and put it in their garage for three months. And then that's their oil. And mm-hmm. so it's interesting because I'm the only one that's ever made this. I'm the only one in the world that makes the one from branch bark. So when they say, oh, yes, I've used devil's club oil. It's like, well, that's not not the same as steam distilled right. essential oil. So that's it's a big difference there. But it's 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 I've done the research up and down the west coast, all the way in Canada and in Alaska, down in Oregon. They've used it for a variety of purposes uh, over the last couple, at least a couple hundred years. I wasn't aware that it grew all the way down into Oregon. That's that's cool. Because Oregon's a rainforest, <laughs> duh. Okay. <laughs> so, right. We went on a road trip from Washington down to California this last summer. So I wanted to find out how much Devil's Club was there. How big were the stands? How far apart were they? And what quality did they have? So I did a pretty thorough field study. Uh, but the farther you get south, the less there is. And so you would want to do sustainable harvesting if you were going to do Devil's Club in Oregon, because it just isn't that much. So it, it really becomes important to know how do you cut it so that it can grow back season after season and not kill the plant and still have enough for your products. The distilling process itself. So this might be super interesting for people who've never really heard about distilling. How do you distill Devil's Club? I have a big boiling flask. It's five liters. And then I have another flask chromatography vessel. It has an opening at the bottom for the steam. And then I have the distiller apparatus that comes at the top. So you just load it up with the material and then it pushes steam through it. It condenses in the condenser and then you have the hydrosol and then the oil on top of the hydrosol. So you drain the hydrosol out and then you have the oil and then you just package the oil. That's great. So for those that don't know, there's different types of distilling. There's water distilling, there's steam distilling, and then there's the combination water and steam and so Devil's Club is all steam. Yes. So as the water boils, creates steam, the steam does what to the plant? There's little pods of oil in the plant. And when the steam goes through and expands it, and then it releases that in, into the air, into the, to the steam. Mm-hmm. But you have to get it to the right temperature for it to release the oil. You have to have the steam at the right pressure the vessel with the material, if you have it too low a temperature, it can condense in the vessel and not make it up into the, the condenser later. Mm-hmm. Or if you have too much pressure, it'll just punch holes straight through material and then you don't get you get very little yield. So it's a science about 
you know, how much steam, how much, if you put too much water in there, or if you have the plant pieces too, too big or too small, if you have it too small, it compacts in there and then you'll have boiling in the bottom. Uh, so you're actually boiling and steaming at, at the top and adding more steam. It gets really complicated. It's a really science about how to do that. So that full year that you were figuring out the apparatus, this is what you were figuring out, right? Like how much steam, what pressure? Oh my goodness. Wow, Mark. Wow. And this is a side thing. This isn't your business. This is like, just because you saw the benefit of the plant, saw what it could do and decided I'm going to do something about it. I'm going to bring this to the world because the world needs what I have. Wow. So I want that to be an encouragement to anyone listening. If you have if you're passionate about it, do like Mark did, find a way. Find a resource that's near you, that you can get relatively easily and learn about it. Learn about the plant. Find out what makes the plant thrive. How do you get from the plant without taking too much from it? If you, I used uh, for my machine that I used this because you can't, I, it takes seven to nine feet of stock to make one single milliliter. So when I'm doing... 10 milliliters, and we're talking 100 feet. You can't sit there and scrape 100 feet of that, come 200 feet a day. You cannot do that over several days. So I had to make a machine and figure out, now these these branches are all twisty and they're curved, and, and you can't just, it's not like a bamboo, you just stick it right through the machine. You've got to have something that can accommodate all different sizes and thicknesses and everything. So it took me another six months to figure that out. I made the thing from materials that were at the hardware store. So that's my encouragement. There's things around you. Figure out how to do something with the the materials available. I mean, you're going to have to try and fail and try and fail and keep trying and failing. Challenge the, you know, the assumptions that are there. Do the science, do the research. If you have, you know, some tenacity, you can make it happen. So I'm very curious to know if you have come from a line of people who are innovators. I believe that there is genetic memory. What we consider like, I have have a great organizational skill. I'm very, very good at organizing things and getting things going. My mother was the same way. Her mother was the same way. And I don't think it was taught. I I believe it's a genetic memory. Mm -hmm. My husband comes from a long line of boat builders. So like each generation, they're, they're innovators and they Mm -hmm. figure these things out. So I'm curious to know if you come from a long line of just people who are get her done type personalities. I mean, instead of sitting there going, gee, I wonder Mm -hmm. if I can do it. You just did it. Right. My, well, my father was in, uh, he did a lot of mechanical work with generators and things. And my grand other grandfather on the other side, he was auto mechanic and uh, general mechanic. So that's in our, you know, in our families. Like, look, the thing is broken. Well, how can we fix it? Go figure it out and make it do- happen. So, so you do come from a long line yeah. of people who are just like, well, let's yeah. make it happen. Let's figure it out and make it work. Oh, that's that's amazing. I just, I just think that's that's awesome. We all, you know, we all have our family of origin and the things that we we think we can do, and then there's the things that genetically we just can do. And that's, that's kind of where you, where I hear you're coming from. It was just, you know, let me go to the hardware store and see what I can find. I would spend hours in the hardware store going up and down the aisle saying, I need something that 
is this big that can hold this thing up. Now, what can I use? And have to. <laughs> so that's awesome, Mark. You must have. I'm just going to say you must have an amazing wife to support you in your your passion. She is, and she helps with the processing some of the time. And you know, she's like, you have two brains: the Devil's Club brain and then the regular brain. I'm always kind of thinking, okay. Let's see, if I were to do this, now what would happen with that? And how do I, you know, so, okay, back to the real world. <laughs> then just do the devil's club on this side. Well, I can hear your passion. She says, they, I, she calls them my babies. Because we'll drive around and I'll say, well, let's check and see how they're doing over here. Let's see what's going on over here. And they're like, your babies, you got to go <laughs> see them. So this is just a four-year journey that you've been on so far. Before... Somebody told you about Devil's Club for your upper respiratory issues. Were you even aware that it existed? Not really. I mean, they have it in the, this is a really a big tourist town. They have the salve in the stores and they have the, the oil. And, and so I knew it existed. But I was traditionally from a family that is only pharmaceutical. Not in the pharmacy, from the pharmacy, it's not to be trusted. Over a period of time, obviously, I've changed my position dramatically. You have systems in the body that are affected by chemicals and compounds. Whether those come from nature or they come from the pharmacy, they still will do the job. And if you get them from nature, like they've been doing for thousands of years, you can have better results and less, um, inter- you know, less interactions, drug interactions, and up and all of that. I am sure that people who are hearing your journey of just four years to get to this place are probably sitting there going, wow, that's really cool. Wow. Mark is quite inspiring. His story is so inspiring, but who inspires you? Originally it's been my dad uh, really inspired me from the beginning to, if you work hard and you make good choices, you can accomplish goals. How important is it to help other people? I mean, we're not here just to accumulate things. We're here to help other people. And everyone has times when they're going to be tired or sick or whatever. And having compassion on people and helping them, that is a major goal. Um, the other things that inspires me are my a lot of my customers. For instance, I had one lady that had um, diagnosed melanoma. I gave her some essential oil and she put one. I told her, use it. At one percent, that's why I always say use it one percent. If it's not, if it's not too weak, then add another drop, and then add another drop. She listen. She started straight. She just didn't need one neat drop, and it took the um, melanoma away. It's gone. So I said, that's inspiring. Her husband has, um, he has melanoma on his face, and they're documenting it. And I've done all of the research about the phospholipids and the membrane layers and all of that. As far as why you don't want to use a neat, people do, but I still recommend multiple treatments every day. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to do it 1% three times a day, that's fine. Or, or three, 3%, multiple times a day for many, many days. All of the scientific studies I've read, they have a two-week trial. They have two weeks to figure out whether this is going to do such and such to the rat. Unless you have something that's killing you, you have a chance to just treat it over time. So you can use a 3%, 5%, whatever, you know, dilution, and then just do regular dilution and have gradual effects and, and treat and treat the symptoms. 
But anyway, he he's been using it as taking the cancer away. Wow. So when you have something that's been diagnosed by a physician and documented, and then that's helping, that's huge. And that drives me a lot, knowing that, you know, someone that had arthritis that couldn't move their hand now has full motion in their hand with no pain after three weeks. I mean, I can't, I can't, it's, it's, I can't get past that. So that really drives me. I remember your presentation. I read the article, but this, this, I think has been the most eye-opening for me, hearing your story, hearing what you're doing. But as we close out, I would love for you to just share anything that's on your heart, anything that you want everybody to know. I would love to just give the floor to you so that you can close this out. I think it's important to keep learning and discovering. There's so much we don't know. A good example is they did a study on, on some liver cells. The neurologist does this to liver cells. At one point in time, I had a conclusion that if you took this amount in this way, you we might be able to expect this result, even though it's on cells and not the actual person. Um, and then they got a di- different piece of technology. And they, you know, a couple of years later, they had different different methods of testing. And they tested it and they said, well, no, it doesn't do that. And then they were, so there was a third study that said, we're going to take slices of the liver, the actual liver from human patients, and we're going to slice that. And we're going to test how that works instead of just the little cells that they did in the Petri dish. And it was dramatically different. It changed the entire way of looking at, at toxicity of the neurologist and the devil's club, the safety. And, mm-hmm. and the confidence of the safety that I have for it now is much different. So I would say, keep learning, keep discovering, make a hypothesis and challenge it. Every time I change anything with the processing, anything, I, I send it in for testing. The, uh, the idea would be, oh, yeah, it'll be fine. You can't assume that it's going to be fine. You have to send it in for testing, make sure that it's still safe and it's the same as it was. Mark, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate what you're doing. I love, I was curious, even from the very beginning, when I asked you, you know, what was it that drove you to keep going? And you said, well, helping other people. But when then I asked you who inspired you and you shared that information about your dad, I was like, that's what keeps you going. It's because it's, it's just, it's not just, oh, I just want to help other people. That's like a deep part of who you are. I just think that's amazing. And what you're doing with Devil's Club is just, it's really inspiring. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I keep thinking that the majority of my guests are regular people just like you and me. We aren't famous. We aren't Hollywood elite. And yet we show up. I love that Mark is showing up in such an exceptional way in the aromatic community through distilling Devil's Club, this plant that is unique to where he lives. I'm so thankful that he's given us a behind the scenes look at distilling and the process he walked through to learn on his own how to do this very delicate technique. He talked about the natives infusing the plant into olive oil, but that is not the same as an essential oil. An essential oil is the distilled, sometimes expressed, product of the volatile components that are synthesized by various plant tissues of a single plant species. Volatile simply means that these constituents evaporate quickly into the air. Infused oils, on the other hand, are obtained by soaking plants in a carrier oil, creating a dilution of the non-volatile compounds. I know I keep saying it, 
And I probably overuse this word, but I really do love how Mark was inspired by his father to care for other people. And this is what drives him to care for these plants and process them in a careful and sustainable way. If you're interested in getting some of Mark's Devil's Club essential oil, you'll want to contact him at the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for joining me today as I chatted with Mark Dundor. Aromatic Chat is produced by Lemon Balm Coaching. Not everyone is like Mark and has the ability to take a dream and make it a reality without support. Lemon Balm Coaching offers whole mind, body, and spirit transformational coaching. If you're struggling with your vision and how to bring it to the world, you'll want to connect with me, your holistic life coach and registered aromatherapist, on the web at lemonbalmcoaching.com. If you're a registered, clinical, or certified aromatherapist and would like to be featured on an episode of Aromatic Chat, I would love to connect with you. And there's a link in the show notes to get that conversation started. Be sure to subscribe to Aromatic Chat on your favorite podcast platform and leave a review on Apple Podcast. I will see you next time with our next episode. Until then, peace, love, and aromatics. Hey friends, I want to introduce you to Blend Precisely, the software business toolkit for aromatherapists, herbalists, and formulators. When I first started out as a practitioner, I used spreadsheets, Word documents, my calculator, all of my safety books, and that was before I ever opened up a single bottle of essential oil to create a blend. Seriously, it took at least 20 to 30 minutes for every single blend that I made for my clients or my family. Whether you're a seasoned practitioner or you're just starting out, Blend Precisely will take the guessing out of the safety issues and let you focus on creating beautiful blends with ease. No more using multiple different programs to get your blends ready to go safely and effectively. Everything is calculated for you inside Blend Precisely. Dilution, percentages, chakras, perfumery notes, pricing, milliliters, ounces, grams, and more. Blend Precisely incorporates Tisserand's safety information so you never have a question again. There's no more guessing. One toolkit for everything. The best part about Blend Precisely is that it's not just a program that you sign up to use and then have no support. There is constant support from the creators, Katrin and Seth Burkholz. They have videos every week on their Facebook page, YouTube channel, and they even have a Facebook group for members of their community. I want you to know that Blend Precisely has a 14-day free trial. I suggest that you sign up for the trial, pull out some of your favorite blends and input them into the program and see what happens. Maybe even create a few new ones, maybe even create some stock blends and see how Blend Precisely can support you in your aromatic life and business. I'm sharing with you my affiliate link to try out Blend Precisely risk-free for 14 days. Just click on the link to check out the software business toolkit for aromatherapists, herbalists, and formulators. And then use this toolkit to blend precisely.